Big Blue Nation, this is the Courtside Connect, your go-to podcast for all things Kentucky basketball and Kentucky basketball's quickest game review podcast. I am your host, Matt Sack. I am once again joined by my co-host, Scott Clark. Scott, how are you doing on this fine 80-degree afternoon in Lexington slash, I think, Louisville you're calling in from? Yeah, I'm in Louisville. It's been a while since I've uh, joined you. Um, Taking a little break, you know, mental health, quite important. Don't ignore it because if you do ignore it, it'll eventually catch up to you. But so yeah, I've been a little bit of a hiatus, but it feels really good to be back talking ball with my brother Matthew Sack. So yeah, I'm doing good, man. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Kentucky basketball, especially when you're on Twitter, can be very poor for your mental health, as I think all of us know. But um glad glad to have you back on here. Glad to be back talking ball. And not only are we good because we're just talking ball on an 80 degree day in Kentucky. We are happy because we just landed a commitment from one of the top prospects in the transfer portal. The man from Illinois state, a 20 point per game scorer, Antonio Reeves. He's a six, five, like combo guard, shooting guard could play on it, can play off it elite three point shooting. This is a guy from the moment he went in, Scott, you have been all over. Just why have you been, wanting him so badly to be a cat. And now that he is a cat, as our good friend Bradley Smith would say, um, what does that mean for Kentucky? Um, I mean, when you watch his film, he kind of fits the prototypical Cal wing, a guy that you can – because Cal lets his guards kind of go one-on-one and do their own thing. That's where he's best at. Um, He's extremely dynamic with the ball in his hands. He has an insanely good handle. He's a 40% three-point shooter. Um, like there's everything about his game translates to power five ball and it really translate, uh, translates to Kentucky basketball. And I just, I think that, you know, you, we didn't have a guy this year where you could kind of just give the ball to and like, let him go make a play. Like we thought that was going to be Ty Ty, but Ty Ty got injured. Grady really wasn't that guy. I mean, Oscar, yes, but like from a guard's perspective, we didn't have that. And I think Antonio Reeves, is about as close as you can get to a Shaden Sharp. If if you look at like Shaden's film and Antonio's film, you, you could both see they have a really tight handle. They're really good shooters. Antonio doesn't have the 40-inch vertical that Shaden has, but he's about as good as you can get. And I think that he is a guy that can really win you a lot of games. Um, when, when things aren't going right, you can give him the ball and just let him cook. So I think he's going to insert very nicely into our starting lineup. Yeah, absolutely. Um... He's going to play that three spot unless we get a return from Shane Sharp, which we will probably talk about at some point in this episode because we can't go a full episode without talking about Shane Sharp. But I completely agree. I think he's going to be in that Kellen Grady role, even though they are a little bit different. I mean, just looking at the stat, you have to you have to realize how important Kellen Grady was to this team and how good he was before he got plantar fasciitis, you know? And kind of towards the end, we, we kind of see his, see his confidence go down. We know as Chicago natives ourselves, Chicago basketball players don't get scared. They Wait, just who? don't. They It just doesn't happen. But, I, I mean, you look at the stats. Coming into 
the year like before they the offseason before they transferred their final year at the original school Kellen Grady had 17 points per game at Davidson Antonio Reeves had 20 um Kellen Grady shot 38% from three Antonio Reeves shot 39 um Kellen Grady he shot 47% from the field Antonio Reeves also shot 47% from the field so they're about the same like efficiency wise actually Reeves shot a little bit better from three um, but he also scored more. So he, he had a higher volume and was just as efficient. Obviously, the level play is a little bit different. They're both mid-majors. I'm guessing Davidson probably a little more difficult competition than Illinois State. But this is a guy that's going to come in in his fourth year, just be a guard that's going to be a veteran. He, he's going to be able to make shots for you. Um, he, he's kind of wasn't a great defender at Illinois State but like when you're telling someone to score 20 points a game you usually can't ask them to do much on the defensive end he has a great frame he's very athletic I think if you put him with Calipari and some good defenders like Case and Wallace he's going to be a great team defender once he doesn't have to do as much on the offensive end so I, I mean I can't be happier with this commitment I think he fits right in with the roster like one of the biggest things with Kellen Grady last year, as good as he was, he was one of my favorite. Honestly, he was one of my favorite players I've ever watched. I mean, that Alabama game was so fun. And when he hit seven threes, that was like, I love Kellen Grady for like games like that. But there were times where we were like, Kellen Grady, shoot the ball. Do and, something. <laughs> yeah. And even if like you have the ball and it's not wide open, go and make a play. It doesn't have to be a catch and shoot three every time. Take a guy off the dribble. We are not going to have to beg Antonio Reeves to shoot the ball. We're not going to have to beg Antonio Reeves to go and dribble and make a play on the ball. Like, he's going to do that. You know he's going to. So I think just for that reason, he's a slightly better fit than even Grady was last year. And I, I thought Kellen Grady, when healthy, was amazing for us last year. Yeah, for sure. I just think that – I think – I mean, we'll get into our roster – predictions later on in this episode but I think that with with him like if you put Antonio Reeves on last year's team like I think that we're still we're probably like going to at least the elite eight final like he's a guy that like I said is just a pure bucket a pure hooper I said a couple of, I think maybe the last time I was on here um I think he'd score 15 to 18 points per game like I truly do like I well, he'll, he'll probably be around, like, 13 points a game, realistically. But, like, I think he could easily do 15 to 18. I think that his bag – I don't want to sound like a casual, but, like, his bag is very deep. He has – he hunched his shot so well. And we haven't had a guy like that in a while. So, I think that just a guy who who, who can hunt his shot and make it at a pretty efficient clip because he, he's not, like, a vol- – he's not a volume merchant. Like, he's not, like, you know, Antoine Davis or, like, someone like that where there's shocking up shots. Like he takes very good shots and he hunts them at a very, very um, high clip. So I think that he's going to be really, really good for us. Yep. Couldn't agree more. So one week ago, I think I, I recorded one podcast. I forgot exactly what we were talking about, but um, we had four scholarship players announced for next year's roster. It was incoming Casey Wallace and Chris Livingston. And then it was, um, Damian Collins and CJ Frederick had both already announced their return. So we had four guys one week ago, and now we are kind of like, all right, it is April 17. Like, what are, what are we doing, Cal? Like, like, 
I, I get that there's a lot of things that still have to fall in place, but I feel like we should have something there. I've seen so much of it. Like, why do we only have four scholarship players? That's kind of concerning. And then one week later, the dominoes start to fall. Oscar comes back. Shaden declares for the draft, but that also opens the door for guys like Wheeler to return, which Calipari announced. It opens the door for a guy like Reeves can come in. And, it, and that's not also eliminating Sharp, Shaden Sharp being gone. He could still come back. But now that those dominoes are falling, we have Oscar back. We have Wheeler back. Jacob Toppin, um, Calipari said he expects him to be back. Calipari expects Lance Ware to be back. So now you have, we could basically run a lineup of, a starting lineup of Saber Wheeler at the point. Cason Wallace at the two, Antonio Reeves at the three, Chris Livingston at the four, um, Oscar Shibwe at the five. Off the bench, you could have CJ Frederick. Jacob Toppin, Damian Collins, and Lance Ware. That's a nine-man rotation right there. Now we have nine scholarship players, over double what we had one week ago. Um, it's kind of crazy how how fast it all went. But, I mean, I, I know you particularly were very happy that Saber Wheeler was back. I know some of our fan base is like, we, we need a point guard that can go get themselves a bucket. I want someone that's a better three-point shooter. I want someone that's a little bit taller. Maybe someone doesn't turn the ball over as much. Um, but, I mean – you're leading the hype train for uh, Cyber Wheeler Bob Cousy Award next season. Um, mm -hmm. Why are you so excited to have him back? Because the man has led Power Five conferences in assists two years in a row. And his scoring, I, I argued with, I'm not even going to say his name, just some more on last night. Um, like a lot of people just look at averages. And they don't really understand like usage rates and, and roles and things like that. I get severe Wheeler only averaged, you know, 10 points a game, but he took the fifth most shots on the team because like, that's what his role was. Like he didn't have to go out and shoot 15 times a game. The man can score the ball if he wants to. He scored 14 points a game at Georgia on a terrible team that had limited spacing. Like, I get that it was a bad team, but, like, it's not like Severe can't score the ball. He shot 44% from three in SEC play, which is kind of shocking. But, like, he had a really terrible start shooting the ball, and then he got a lot better. And then he had, like, that three-game stretch where he didn't make a shot for, like, three games. Um, but, like, his shooting is a lot better than what people think it is, and I think it's, it's improving every year. Uh, and I think I, – I just don't understand why people don't think, like – a two-time assist leader coming back, like, that's kind of unheard of. And he might do it again this year. Like, that's crazy. He's the best playmaker in the country. He's a reason why Oscar got a lot of his points and why a lot of, like, Kellen got his points. Like, he creates a lot of open looks. Would I like a, a guy like Darren Fox to be the point guard of my team? Yes. But Darren Fox's don't grow on trees. Like, Severe Wheeler's also don't grow on trees. He was a top-five point guard last year um, when – you know, even when things probably weren't going great with Kellen and Ty Ty, and when Kellen and Ty Ty were healthy, he was, I said, a top three to top four point guard, arguably, but in my opinion, he was. There's, in, especially in the college game, there's something very valuable with a guy that can move the ball and get other, because the NBA, I mean, you could give it to all five guys and let them go ISO ball and let them cook. In college, you need a guy to really get everyone looks, and Severe Wheeler is, a, is that guy, and I think putting him next to like Kaysen and Antonio Reeves or Shaden, um, like that offense is unlimited right there. So I just, I think that people need to stop paying attention to that. Oh, he's five, eight. And like this, this and that, like 
who cares? I get that he's small, but like the man won us some games. Like that game against Florida when they kept going on a run at Florida, when they kept going on runs, then severe floater, mid-range, bucket, bucket. Like he can take over games with the scoring, but he just doesn't have to. Um, so I don't know. That, that, that's all with me and Sevier. I think I think people don't respect his game enough. I think he's a top five point guard in the country. Yeah, I mean, I, I want to bring up two points. The first is the three-point shooting. You already brought it up. He shot 43% from three in SEC play on over an attempt and a half a game, which means he's going to take a three or two a game, which is, I mean – about what you want from your point guard maybe you want two to three attempts a game but whatever for a guy that's making that many plays and you don't really want shooting the ball that much I'll take one to two threes a game and I'll damn sure take 43 percent so and also people are like you you need a lot of three-point shooting Cyber Wheeler doesn't do that I mean Cason Walls is going to be a decent three-point shooter Antonio Reeves is going to be a really good three-point shooter Chris Livingston is going to be basically the equivalent of what Keon Brooks gave us from spacing last year, plus another seven feet. So instead of spacing to 14 feet in the mid-range, it's going to be from 21, 22 feet from behind the arc. So that's more spacing. CJ Frederick, the best shooter in the country, is coming off of our bench. And we don't know who else we might get in the portal or add a Shaden Sharp. So there's going to be plenty of three-point shooting and plenty of spacing on our roster. And I just... I, I'm not worried about three-point shooting. Another thing, um, people always talk about like, oh, like Xavier Wheeler, he, he needs players around him to make shots in order for him to be effective. And I, I do agree with that. He, he does need players around him making shots to be effective. But what point guard honestly does it? Like if you put John Wall on this team and you give him three guys on the perimeter – around him that just won't make a shot is John Wall as effective as John Wall usually is if you give Tyler Eulis and Jamal Murray shoots one of 15 is Tyler Eulis going to be as effective as he normally is and here's the thing we're not going to win tournament games elite eight and on if guys aren't making shots so it really doesn't matter like if Wheeler has a bad game because other guys around him aren't making shots. It doesn't come down to Wheeler because we aren't winning anyways. You need guys to make shots in order to win tournament games. It's really that simple. Um, and a lot of people say, well, you, you need elite three-point shooting around Saver Wheeler. And I, I also kind of used to agree with that. So I'm not calling people out here. I'm just bringing up the topic. Um, I was actually talking with my dad, and he brought up the point. Saver Wheeler got a lot of assists, not necessarily from dribble drive and kick out to shooters, he got a lot of assists by driving and then drawing a double team and then dishing to Oscar or dishing to Ty Ty who came in and got a floater or dishing to Mintz who came in and got a layup or dishing off to Keon Brooks who got a mid-range shot. It's not all about him sh- passing out the three-point shooters. He just creates shots for everyone. So you don't need elite three-point shooters. You get guys like Cason Wallace, who is a bucket, Antonio Reeves, who's a bucket, Chris Livingston, who has the potential to be a bucket, Oscar Shibway, who put up, what, 17 and 15 last year. You put Saver Wheeler out with those talent, he's going to create shots for them, and we're going to score. And if they don't make shots, then, yeah, Wheeler probably isn't as effective, but can you fault them for that? I don't. No. And, yeah, people say, like, oh, you need the perfect roster on it. No, you don't. Like – Severe in the last three regular season games at well, at Arkansas and at Ole Miss and then at Florida, 
He dropped 14, 16, and 13, respectively. And that's why, Ty, like, while Ty Ty and Kalin were borderline unplayable, like, you literally don't – you don't need a perfect roster. The guards next to him just can't be unplayable. And Ty Ty and Grady, as much as we love them, were not playable in those games at coming – like, at the final stretch of the season. They they just weren't. Um, and for half those games, Severe picked up the slack, and he picked up the scoring. Like – you don't you don't need the ninety six Bulls to to be around Severe. You just don't. Severe Wheeler impacts so much winning. He's the best transition point guard in the game easily. That's not even a question, Matt. I saw someone reply to your tweet talking like he's not built for the half court offense. What the? What do you mean? What? Go watch all the film. But when you know Ty Ty and Kellen were were healthy, right? Severe Wheeler had such an impact on that offense. Um. I mean, and teams like teams, fuck me. Some guy today said like, "Yeah, let's have a point guard who uh, leaves like the leaves him open." Or, yeah, the defenses leave him open. And I was like, "Well, he shot forty four percent from like three in SEC play," and then he was like, "Yeah, but that looks good. That like defense, like defenses are leaving him open." Okay, yeah, leave him open, please, so he can shoot. You know, a high percentage from three. Like, I'm really buying into Severe Wheeler shooting, um, just based off like trends and everything. Like, I don't. Because the man isn't, you know, dunking on people and isn't 6'4", like, fans just start thinking, like, oh, he's, you know, he's not that good. He's not that good. Severe Wheeler, I mean, we could, we could go through the list of point guards. Like, I think he's better than Caleb Love. Um, I think g- – give me give me point guards off the top of your head. Tiger like, Campbell from UCLA. I think it's Tiger Campbell. Um, um, I'm trying to think about, like, who's going to be, like, the top returning teams. I don't – like – I don't know. Is he better than Ziegler at Tennessee? I think he's better than Sakai Ziegler. Like, last year, I said Gillespie was better. I thought uh, Andrew Nemhard was better and maybe Akinjo. Um, and that's really it. Like, and but people don't want a guy who's like a top – it doesn't make sense to me. And I truly – I've said this before. If Severe Willer was like 6'1", no one would be saying a damn thing about him. But because he's short – it, it's a problem. It's not 1943 where you need seven footers on the, on the floor and you need to bolt. Like it's okay to have a short guy. Like if severe Wheeler was not a playmaker or anything like, like I wouldn't fucking want him on my team, but the man that's averaging seven assists a year consistently and every like opposing coach in their post game, like press conference is talking about like Bill self was like, yeah, severe is like one of the best players in the country. Like he's the best 94 foot defender. That man just fucking won a national championship. He knows what he's talking about. Coaches know what they're talking about when they talk about severe wheeling. It's time to respect severe. And if no Absolutely. one's going to do it, I'll do it. Absolutely. Um, I mean, again, it's if you wanted an upgrade over severe in the transfer portal, I understand that. I would have liked an upgrade too. I would like an upgrade at every position. But how many upgrades actually exist? Can we upgrade Oscar Shibway? No. Can we there, upgrade? No, can we upgrade a case in Wallace? No. There's no. Point Who would be an upgrade for Xavier Wheeler? There's none. Um, speaking of point guard, Nigel Pack just committed to Miami. Um, so rip that for me. Obviously, that's never gonna happen. But, um, but yeah, I mean, there. Like I've seen things where it's like, oh, him coming back sets the ceiling of the team. What? Like, yeah, the ceiling's a national championship now. Like, oh, like. Any any program in America, if they had Sevilla Wheeler coming back, and I put out a tweet that's got like 300, K, three, no, not 300, 300 likes, um, 
which is, I mean, that's cool. But like a lot of people were like in my, that were smart in my replies are like, you know, that's not all of BBN. I'm like, I know that's not all of BBN, but like the fact that there's still like, you know, like 20% of people that are saying like, oh fuck, like severe wheelers coming back is shocking. Cause I think any like Kansas Duke, um, North Carolina, any program that had severe wheeler come back their their fan base would be like celebrating. Like, I just, I, I don't know. It just, it's, it's annoying. That's all. Yeah, I, I I couldn't agree more. Um, move, moving on. Actually, I want to go back really quick. We're talking about Antonio Reeves. Another thing that I'm while we're addressing unfair criticism towards players on our team, a lot of people are saying, "Oh, Antonio Reeves." It's like, why can't we just go back to getting the five star freshman? Why do we have to take guys from Illinois State? People from Illinois State, like it's just going to be another Colin Grady where they can't play against top competition. It's like, do you remember what? So Antonio Reeves, the best team that he played against all year was Wisconsin, who was a three seed. They were ranked at the time. I think they wound up being ranked as high as top 10, top eight, maybe. Yeah. Um, they they have a really good guard in Johnny Davis himself. Johnny Davis, that game, when he was matched up against Antonio Reeves, shot like six of 20. Antonio Reeves led either team in scoring while the game, the game was in Wisconsin, by the way. It was on the road. Antonio Reeves shot nine of 19. 25 points, four assists, four rebounds, held one of the best wing scorers in the country to like 30% shooting. And he took an Illinois state team and only lost by four to a future tournament team. Do you know how much better Wisconsin is than Illinois state? And he single-handedly kept him within five points on the road. So to say that he can't play against tough competition, to say that a guy like Kellen Grady can't play against tough competition or any of these transfers, I mean, it depends on their game. You have to see what translate and what doesn't. Being a bucket getter that shoots 40% of three while having to be the primary ball handler and playmaker for your team, I don't care where you're playing. 20 points is 20 points. 40% shooting from behind the arc is 40% shooting. Yeah. I'll take them. Yeah, it all translates. So, I don't know. I think I think Antonio Reeves is going to be our – I'll say right now, either our second or third leading scorer this year, easily. I think he's going to be a, a fan favorite as well. Seems like a really nice kid, um, Chicago boy. So, you know, we love him. Um, but I think he's going to be really good. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I think Oscar is going to be our leading scorer unless Shaden comes back. So, I mean, if Shaden comes back, then it's going to be like Shaden, Oscar, and then probably Kaysen or Reeves. I think if Shaden comes back, I think Oscar would beat him in scoring too. It would be close. Yeah, but um. Anyways, you look at our roster as is right now. We listed off nine names. I kind of like went through. Um, I did this last episode. Like, I kind of want your opinion on it too. Our roster construction is very similar than last year's. Um, mm-hmm. for for example, last year we had Saber Wheeler at the point guard. This year we have Saber Wheeler at the point guard. Except this year, I anticipate that to be an upgrade. Because when you return for a year of college basketball, you get better. It happens to 98% of players. Yeah. You return, especially in the same system, you get better. Ty Ty Washington goes to Case and Wallace. Both are probably future lottery picks or borderline lottery picks, easily first-round picks. They're top 10, 15, five-star freshman recruits, combo guards. Um, both do a lot of the similar things well, good mid-range shooters, good defenders. Kaysen Wallace is going to be an upgrade over Ty Ty Washington simply because Ty Ty Washington was hurt and we didn't see the best version of himself. Mm-hmm. I think you can, might make a case that Ty Ty was better. 
if when fully healthy, but I mean, depending on what Kaysen does, but Kaysen is going to be better and give us more than what Ty Ty did last year, simply because um, he's going to be fully healthy. At least I'm assuming he's going to be fully healthy, knock on wood. Um, Antonio Reeves, you look at March, like when Grady couldn't do anything and he was shooting like one of eight from three every game. Antonio Reeves is going to be better than Kellen Grady was in March. That's an upgrade. I look at Chris Livingston at the four versus Keon. I loved Keon. I was one of Keon's greatest supporters. To have a top 10 freshman, Keon just doesn't have that potential on either side of the basketball. Livingston is, I think, has way more potential on either side of the basketball. Oscar Sheboy at the five, going to Oscar Sheboy at the five. Obviously, like I just said, when you return, you get better than the year before. Jacob Toppin, he takes that same role last year, being that sixth or seventh man off the bench. He's going to be better because he has all the potential in the world, and he returned. Damian Collins, you could say the same thing with him. Lance Ware, you could say the same thing with him. I think you can make a case that Davion Mintz to CJ Frederick, um, maybe you can make a case that Davion's a little bit better depending on what CJ winds up giving us post-injury. Uh, you could also make a case that CJ is better or CJ is better than Mintz. So one through nine, all those guys have similar roles as our guys did last year. And I honestly think you are upgrading or at least doing about the same as what we had last year. And last year we saw when fully healthy, they're a top five team and a national title contender. And we upgraded or held the same across the board. Yeah. And people are going to think, oh, well, we lost the same Peters with that. Shut the fuck up. Like, I get it. Like people only care about results, but like context really does matter with sports. Like, like you said, when, Ty Ty and Grady were healthy and those same people that will say, uh, Oh, well, we lost the St. Peter's with their roster. They were the same ones saying when they were healthy. Oh, this is the best team in the country. Like, like they're the same people saying that shit. So I don't want to hear anything about like St. Peter's and all that. And you make a great point, like a great point. That team last year, one fully healthy was in my opinion, a top two team in the country or a top three team in the country. Hands down. They went to Kansas, blew them out by 20, um, like they were just like blowing through teams. Offense was at an all-time high, and I I think it I don't I don't even think we saw like the best of that offense too, which is the crazy thing. Um, so when you take that and you make you get a, you know you get Wheeler back, you get a Koozie Award finalist back, who's gonna be better. Um, you get I think Casey Wallace's impact will be bigger than what Ty Ty's was. Um, just because I think. I know everyone loved Ty Ty and I love Ty Ty. I do think he was a little overrated. Um, there was times where like he just didn't shoot well and shit like that. Like he, he was good, but like I don't think Ty Ty was anything like out of the ordinary necessarily. Um, I think Kaysen's impact will be a lot better because you know you're going to get a really, really good defender and a good scorer as well. And then, you know, Antonio Reeves or Shaden Sharp, like – that's that's Antonio Reeves, in my opinion, is already better than Kellen Grady. And I think that, you know, uh, Shaden Sharp, if he does come back, I think he's better than Kellen Grady. And he's better than both of those two. And you're right. I think, you know, if Keon, I mean, it's Kyle Tucker and Graf have been talking like Keon could return. Like it's it, that that could happen. Like I wouldn't even mind seeing Keon return and be a starter. Like I, I really wouldn't because I think Keon can. I don't know necessarily. I know we talked about it last episode, like his college, like ceiling is done. I don't know if that's true. Like Keon's good. Um, That's all I'm trying to say. But in in the grand scheme of things, like Chris, probably like Chris, I don't, I think 
those two and their production would probably be the same. And then you got okay. your national player of the year returning who like is kind of scratching the surface of what the man can do. Like this roster that's going to be taking the floor in October or November, that's a damn good roster. Like we're going to probably be like number one or number two to start off the year. Like I need, I need, I want people to understand like. Without Shaden, we could still Shaden. be a top three team. And if Shaden returns, that's easily by far the best roster in the country. Like, got like people have to understand this team is fucking loaded and we're not even done yet what because you have the possibility of shade and, and the transfer portal it's april 23rd a lot of things can happen between now and like you know june um so yeah, I, I mean i i agree i mean the big thing is can we stay healthy and you talked about adding in the transfer portal still i think one of the keys to staying healthy is adding more depth specifically in our backcourt I mean, we saw how tough minutes were last year, especially when guys started getting dinged up. We weren't able to give them rest. We had to play Colin Grady 39 minutes a game. Even when, like, Titan Wheeler were healthy, we were still giving Grady 37, 38 minutes a game. Um, but I still think we need one more piece. I look at our guards. If you don't count Chris Livingston as a guard, because I think currently he's more slotted into that four spot, um, we have Wheeler, we have Kaysen, we have... Frederick and we have Reeves again that's only four guys to cover three spots I guess occasionally Livingston could play some three but I, I still think I would like to see one more piece if Kaysen comes back that or I'm sorry if Shaden comes back that makes things easy so easy I mean but what, what what's another piece that's either in the portal or or you think there might be someone out of the portal that we're just waiting on what do you think we're going to do to round out that roster because I think we need one more to get the 10 total scholarship players at least. I think Adam Miller would be, I think he could play like on, like I, this is going to sound like bad, but I think he could really run the bench unit as a point guard. I think that he's, and the thing with Cal is Cal never has like a primary backup point guard. He did with like Hagens and quickly, but like that's never really been his, his thing. Um, I think Adam Miller can, can really elevate the team coming off the bench. Like, that's a really good piece. Um, and as we saw last year, you could use as much guard depth as you need because like last year, everything went wrong. Like anything that could have went gone wrong, like it did, um, you know, with CJ Frederick, you know, blowing out his hamstring and the warmups of the opening game, like things like that happen. I don't, I don't think that'll happen again next year, like knock on wood, but like at the same time, I think a guy like Adam Miller would be perfect for this roster because you look at that guard nucleus, you got Wheeler, Wallace, Reeves, Frederick, um, and and Miller. Like that's five high level guards. That that's a stacked, stacked guard lineup. And we we already have a million forwards. We have what Sheway, Livingston, Toppin, Collins Ware. That's five and five right there. That's perfect. Yeah. So when I look at Adam Miller, I mean, the first time he transferred, he transferred from Illinois because they were using him wrong. He wanted a bigger role, but primarily he wanted to be on the ball more. Illinois said, go in the corner and just shoot threes, catch and shoot threes. You really don't get to do anything else. And I mean, they had Ayo Sumu, so I mean, I don't really blame Illinois, but I also don't blame Adam Miller for leaving. He did get injured at LSU. He missed the whole season due to an ACL tear. Now his, his like perspective needs to change. To me, it can't be, let's see how much I can do. He needs to get back to a high level of basketball. 
Mm-hmm. And I mean, you, when you tear an ACL, it might be tough to go NBA next year. I kind of see him more on his two-year plan. He still has three years of eligibility left. I think he used two more. Come into Kentucky, buy into a bench roll, back up Saver Wheeler. Saver Wheeler's a senior. I don't think he'll use his fifth year. Um, no. that, I mean, I'm, I'm not hearing anything. That's just pure speculation. I'd be surprised if he came back for a third year. I'm guessing he's probably going to go. Um, so buy into a bench roll, run the second unit, get back to full strength, playing a little bit less minutes in a really good offense on a really good team, and then take the reign over next year. I mean, we're probably going to have DJ Wagner or hopefully Robert Dillingham, one of those two guys, hopefully coming in. Play with an elite freshman next year, go into the starting lineup, kind of slide into like that starting combo guard and run the team next year and then go pro. That That's what I would do if I'm Adam Miller. Obviously, I don't know what he's doing. I'm not him. I think he would be a perfect piece for this roster. And that puts us at 10. Um, so I'm at that point, maybe you take like, I don't know, like a, I don't think we're looking at Ado Thero or however you pronounce his name, um, but a guy like that, like a low, like 90 to low 100s um, rank. Like Kevin Askey. Rank a, yeah, <laughs> yeah, whatever. Like a, a multi-year guy that wouldn't mind buying in for people. Like an, a Lance Ware. Like if we found a guard equivalent of a Lance Ware that wanted to ride the bench for a few years and then become like a senior guy down the road. Or maybe like a CJ Frederick, a guy that wanted to just be a shooter kind of coming off the bench. If you want to add another piece like that, then then I I would love something like that. But I think Adam Miller would be the perfect 10th piece to round out this roster. Yeah, me too. I think, and, and, you know, once, once it gets to March, you can cut guys out of that rotation. Uh, I mean, who knows? It could be literally anyone and I'd, I'd be comfortable with it. Like, I think, because last year, you know, you couldn't really play as much as people think they could. You could not really play Bryce Hopkins, I think, in impactful minutes. But because I, I, that bench has, what, zero freshmen? It would be yeah, what? Zero. Really? I mean, I mean, unless uh, Cason Wallace is 1,000% going to start. I mean, he, he might like honestly three. be the second best player on the team. I think he will yeah. be behind Oscar. Livingston might be a sixth man, depending on how good Jacob Toppin gets. But yeah, I mean, we would have zero freshmen coming off the bench in that instance. Yeah, and Livingston was miles better uh, than Damien Collins and Bryce Hopkins coming. Oh, yeah. Like I, if if I'm wrong about that, like I'll be extremely shocked. But I genuinely think that Chris Livingston coming to Kentucky is a lot better than Damien Collins and Bryce Hopkins coming into Kentucky. So, like that bench, that bench unit is is really good. So you know, once Cal eventually cuts the rotation to like eight, nine people, I mean, you might see like Lance get booted or. Damien or Chris or, or like literally anyone, but like you can feel comfortable with playing eight, nine guys, which I know a lot of people are wanting and I'm not, I'm not opposed to it at all. As long as you have the guys to do that. Yep. I mean, I, I completely agree. Um, really quick. I, I'm, that's pretty much everything I want to cover, but really quick before we get out of here, answer this question really quick. Where is Shaden Sharp playing basketball next season? <laughs> um, fuck it. He's, he's coming back. He's going to Kentucky. I love the optimism. I'm going to pick the Chicago Bulls, but I love your optimism. Of He's a Toronto Raptor. <laughs> somewhere, so, somewhere in late lottery or I, I, past I, lottery. I, I do want to say this. I think everything that we've learned with Shade in the, cup, the past couple of days and what we've been hearing now, um, Travis, you know, he kind of talked about how 
um, at, you know, at the EYBL Indy. A lot of NBA players are saying they see him more in the teens now. Um, you, if you read the Travis Brandom article, you saw that um, a lot of executives are very hesitant to even take him now because of what good old Dwayne Washington has, has done. I just think it's a really sad situation for, for Shaden and for Kentucky. Um, you have a guy like Coach Cal who I love him to death, and that man got played. Like, he was lied to. Um, you know, Shaden wanted to play. Uh, his parents wanted Shaden to play last year. Um, and, and Cal and the team did, but Dwayne said no. And to have, to have something like that, it's just sad for both parties because – and I'm, I don't want anyone to blame Shaden because – I, I love Kentucky, but if I was an 18-year-old and I had the choice of playing college basketball at Kentucky or the NBA, I'm taking the NBA 90 times out of – or 100 times out of 100 because, I mean, that's everything that you've worked for. Uh, I just think it's a really sad situation, and I hope he does end up coming to Kentucky because right now with how the NBA is kind of viewing him and everything and the, the fake diploma and all this shit, like – I just don't see a route where it ends up well for him if he does go to the NBA. So that's all I'll say. So I hope he does come back. Yeah, obviously, I hope he comes back too. And if he doesn't, like you said, I think we've learned more than anything over the past week, Cal is not to blame and Shaden is not to blame. And that really sucks because they were the two people that were getting all the blame throughout the year. It was Shaden's playing Kentucky. He's just using them when he really wanted to be here. And I think he still wants to be here. He just might have a better option available and he can't blame him. Calipari, you take a top, the top freshman in the country 100% of the time when they tell you what their plan is and the, the plans to come back. It's neither of their fault. It's Dwayne Washington. It's the handler of Shane Sharp, who's working behind the scenes, trying to be Shaden's agent, trying to get him to the NBA as soon as possible, even if that's not best for the kid's career. That's mm -hmm. the antagonist in all of this. So, I mean, if we've learned anything, it's at least that. And I'm rooting for the kid no matter what. I hope he comes back. We would have one of the most insane teams of all time. Yep. And uh, I don't know. I, and with, with you know, I, I do worry because, you know, you see, you, we just saw Jay Wright retire. And he said that, um, he, you know, he was tired. He just he couldn't do it. He couldn't handle being a college coach. Being a college coach is a lot. Cal's been doing this for a long time. And I wouldn't blame Cal if some shit like this where he's getting lied to and getting, you know, he has no leverage in a situation and you might see more kids doing this. It might start giving him – not this. I, I'm not an insider. I don't know shit, so don't think that Cal Perry's retiring. I'm just saying, um, you know, having something like this happen, you might start – like for me personally, I'd be like, damn, do I, is this something that I really want to be a part of anymore if people can start doing stuff like this? So it's just – it's a bad look all around. So I don't know. PR nightmare. Yep, absolutely. Well, Scott, I appreciate you coming on today to talk. Antonio Reeves committing, Xavier Wheeler, Jacob Topp, and Lance Ware all coming back, well, as well as Oscar and CJ and Damian Collins. And what, what what's coming next, whether it be Adam Miller or Shane Sharp or another guy? I'm really loving this roster. I, I mean, I love my team. It, it, it's been a while that since, like, the month of April, I'm ready to go to war with my team. I mean, it's usually like... It's usually like, and I'm like, oh, we need one more piece. We really need one more piece. I mean, even if Shane doesn't commit, I think we need one more bench piece. But even with what we have right now, I'm ready to go to war with them. So I, I love my team in a very non, just um, like cliche way. I genuinely do love my team. I'm ready to go to war with this team. So I appreciate you coming on. Anything else you have for us? If not, where can we find you and your work? 
Uh, I do not, uh, but you can find my work at kycolonel.com and you can find me at Scott Clark UK on Twitter. Yeah, you could find me at MattSackBBN on Twitter. You could find my work at CatsCoverage.com. And thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Cats. Go Cats. Just need to clear my mind.